Well, welcome to Becoming an Elite Financial Advisor with Sten Morgan, where we help financial professionals like you recognize and reach your potential faster. As a financial advisor, you're in a unique position. You likely started in the business by working for a large company, but many days you felt like a sole proprietor. No matter if you stayed with your large company or even left and started your own RIA, the reality of being a business owner really never goes away. So here's the truth. When you're in this business, you're a business owner. So what do business owners do that sole proprietors don't? In other words, what do you need to do to build a business that has value, that provides great service, that is a great place to work, but also doesn't take every minute of your day and your thinking? How do you move from being an individual to thinking and acting like a business owner? Well, today, we're going to find out. Welcome back to the podcast. Sten Morgan here. Hello, Sten. Andy Traub. Great to be with you, my friend. Uh, this, is, this is something we talk about all the time, all the time. Mm-hmm. And it, it starts with a mindset shift, really looking at yourself differently. And then you start to make some real practical changes. So we're going to talk about, we've got kind of a long list, but some yeah. are, are more uh, lengthy than others. But, but I love this topic. The, there's so many things in the business, I think, that you will eventually realize. It's kind of the idea of when you're 80, you're going to realize things that people have told you your whole life are actually uh-huh. true. And it just took a long time for you to internalize it. And a lot of these things that like we'll talk today, I went through a progression and you know did it faster than most, but not as fast as I could have, of kind of sole proprietor individual versus like I'm a business. Right. And and how does a business run itself? And so today we want to dive in and encourage you, challenge you. What does it really look like to run a business as a financial advisor as opposed to all you're really doing each day is working to create an ATM that kicks out money to have a comfortable lifestyle. Right. It's a difference of like you said, running a business versus I'm in the business of mm-hmm. right. It's it's when you meet a business owner, right? Someone who owns a bakery, someone who owns a plumbing company, like you would never question, Are you, do you own a business? Yeah, my name's on the side of the van. That's right. right? I have employees. My name's you know, on the front of the, the store, right? Mm-hmm. But there's something interesting, strange, weird, unique, whatever you want to call it, about this industry that those of you who are listening to us right now, some of you think, oh, I work for so-and-so. And, re- and, and maybe technically, mm-hmm. but really those we see become really elite advisors, they don't think like they're working for anyone. That's right. The, the goal is to run a healthy business. And I think every advisor has to decide what kind of practice do I want to have? You know, we talk about different styles of practice mm-hmm. and, you know, who we are and what we believe in. But also is your goal to just work as hard as you are now for the rest of your life, making good money that will organically grow and you will bring people onto your team to help maintain what you already have. That's one route. For me, I wanted to make a bigger impact make more income and work less. And to do that, you have to build a business, which is other people, which is systems, which is different compensation structures that I started saying, I need to get enough clients to make enough money this month to pay my bills. Right. And I'm just going to keep doing that. I could have just kept my head down. I'm thankful that it kind of, I got shook up at different times in my career to say, Hey, maybe there's something different here. Like what are elite advisors doing? that I'm looking at them saying what they've built seems really far from me. Yeah. But what are the components that I need to start building towards? And so today we're going to dive into those. And, and it's very, very important that you are honest with yourself and how you view yourself and start where you are, right? But by the things we're going to talk about today and the challenge I'm going to give to you at the end is 
are, are you truly on the on the direction of owning a business, being a business owner, or are you doing the same things you did when you first got in the business? And somehow, that magically, things are going to change or be different. Just at a bigger scale, maybe. Right. Yeah. If, if making money is your metric for all success, that's fine. I, I know a lot, a lot of advisors are making a bunch of money, but they're working hard. They're not really satisfied in that. Like They feel like something's missing. And if I'm speaking to you now and it's hitting something in you, that you're like, yeah, I, I feel like there's a better way to do this. I feel like I'm just grinding each day that I'm not really running a company. There is a path to that and it, it will feel like a big step. I remember meeting advisors that were 10 years older and being like, there's no way I can handle that complexity. They have how yeah. many employees? Yeah. Wait, they came up with a compensation structure? Like they have insurance? Like it feels like a lot. So today we're going to kind of hit some key ones and the hope is, and I'll even challenge you at the end with a specific one that is not a big change, but it'll help with the mindset shift. How do you start moving in that direction? Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's begin first. I think that the way you identify yourself, mm-hmm. and I mean this as in, this is one of the cool ones. You could change this today. Mm-hmm. You meet someone on the sideline of your kid's you know, soccer practice or something like that, and they say, you know, what do you do? Mm-hmm. This is one. You could identify yourself differently, and yeah. no one's going to go, wait a minute. No, you're not. They're not. Right. <laughs> right? You can simply identify yourself and say, well, I, I, own, I own a business. That's right. right. So that, that's the other way is how do you, identify it or do you say uh, i work for right that's right which again there is a there's a place to work for a large institution as a salesperson absolutely and great you know, more power to you you're you're adding value to people just like any other company that has a sales department does and you're getting paid for that and go for it but for the for the advisors that are saying yes i'm part of a larger organization but i run my book of business, my team, like a business, that there is a big difference there. And the tough thing is that the industry tells us you're all business owners. And so we all think we are just like we all think we're doing financial planning, <laughs> but are you right? And, and there's some advisors I've met that are like, until I feel that, until I know, like I am truly running my business as a business behind the scenes, I don't feel comfortable holding myself out to that. Yeah. But I also know I need to get comfortable with that. So I need to start making changes behind the scenes first. So let's talk about some behind the scenes. What are some things that you have to do structurally, you know, the not sexy stuff that's sort of like, yeah, you need to make this change if you're going to eventually operate like a business. Yep. What are some practical ones? So I'm looking at my notes. And so the thing I promised to, to give you at the end, I'm going to give you now. Oh, which is, <laughs> you could just, this is the shortest episode ever. We're <laughs> like right, seven minutes and you can be done. All right, enjoy the rest of your drive or work. You now. should. Uh, and then what's fascinating is I changed this a couple of years ago. And it's pay yourself differently. Why is this one so important? If you treat your business like an ATM, you will stay in that mode. Meaning my business account was just an account when it had money. I just took it out and spent it. Like it was just, and then I'd give the company money when it needed it. And I'd take it out when I needed it. Like it was very, the the veil between Sten's personal finances and the business was very, very thin. Right. Until as our company grew and really out of necessity, I had to say, okay, I have other advisors on the team that are on a grid. Legacy gets paid some of their production. And our goal is that for whatever production we take, that we're adding enough value to them. And then I started realizing, well, I need to know what my profit is as a company because I have key employees now that I want to consider profit sharing to. Mm. Well, what is our profit? Oh, I don't know. Is it just the amount of production Sten has? Well, no, because Sten is actually just another advisor. 
So what if we paid Sten the same way we pay the other advisors on the team and also took a share of his revenue as an override, uh-huh. essentially treat the main producer just as like other advisors on the team. And even if you're a solo advisor, you can do this. Set a grid rate for yourself, pay yourself well, take the, the grid rate kind of off the top and put that into the business account. That should eventually, and we've, you know, as of a year ago doing all this numbers, because a lot of practices are very one producer heavy. Yeah. I was producing most, we were operating at a loss technically on this new model. So now our eyes were open to say, oh, we're actually not profitable. It's really just Sten making money and giving us his money to stay profitable. Legacy should be profitable apart from Sten. And so now we're actually profitable for a little bit. We had a quarter where we were profitable like 10,000 bucks. And so people got some profit sharing. It's like, oh, that's cool. Like, obviously we want that number to be bigger. But we just look at the organization differently now yeah. because it's not Sten's a rainmaker. When the company uses its card for lunch, it's not Sten's money anymore. Sten used to be the one buying everything and everybody kind of knew it. Yeah. Now, no, the company has money. So I've been thinking you for lunch this whole time. I should right. just, yeah, that card's separate. But who who no. should I send that? <laughs> oh, okay. But a, a trip for the company. The company profit paid for that. Like it, you just start realizing it's different. And so I, yeah. I had to get there out of necessity. But even if you are a solo practitioner sharing an assistant with somebody at this point, start looking at it that way. Yeah. Pay yourself well. Take an override to the business account. Yeah. Eventually, that's your reserve to buy a new office space. It's your reserve to hire a new employee. Yeah. Try not to treat it as an ATM where your lifestyle goes up and down based on what you sold that month. So on a very practical level, it is that you should decide how much do I need to get paid and then pay yourself that amount. Mm-hmm. God willing, you yep. have that amount, right? Yep. And then any extra goes into a business operating account. And listen, if you're like, oh, that seems complex. And like, listen, banks are happy to open more accounts for you. <laughs> I'm right. serious. Like on a practical level, like, yep. if you go to your bank and say, I need to open three more accounts. They're not going to be like, no, you can't. Yep. They're like, great. Thank you for helping with my business account quota Perfect. for the month. Yeah. Seriously. All right. So open as many as you need to to help you structurally. And then you can move this money around inside of there yep. very easily. Yep. And I would, to, to your point about kind of pay yourself as much as you need, I would pay yourself a reasonable uh, industry grid. Yeah. And so I went and got pulled a bunch of grids from different producers and I've, I've been at a few firms in the past, so I kind of had an idea. You may not be making enough money based on that grid. Well, you can still bonus yourself out a draw from the profits, uh-huh. but try to establish something. For example, I'm the highest producer in the firm and I'm at like an 80, thank you, yeah. an 82% payout. And some of the other advisors are like a 70% payout based on their production. And so if Sten needed more, I have profits in legacy. And as an owner- So 18% is going back into the larger fund. Mm-hmm. So as an owner, I can always distribute funds to myself quarterly if I need it. But try to put some type of system in place you feel comfortable with it, you can tweak and hold to it. That's but Even that, that, that small, meaning 18% shift there, is, is that's a powerful shift because you're not going, oh, I made 4,000 on that policy. I got 4,000. That's right. Right? You go, no, 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 like the company, yep. right? And there, there's there's just something healthy about that. It is. Right? And then as you move to add more people, if that should be the case, then, you know, structurally that that makes sense. Because then it's not like, oh, well, that they're taking money from me. No, no, no. We've got a company account. We've mm-hmm. got money that, right? So that's yep. a very practical change. Yep. And what's tough about our industry is that, and I'm fortunate enough to be in a place where I speak and meet a lot of advisors that you realize like, oh, people are actually doing this. Where where I was before it wasn't even on my radar yet, and I would have loved to start doing that sooner. I just happened. I just didn't bump into the person. Is it just because everywhere where you were, like everybody just paid themselves, paid themselves? It was just probably so. Yeah, I think it was more in like the insurance space or the brokerage firms I was with. It was like, hey, I made uh, you know fifty grand this month. That's good for me. Oh, okay. And it was less 
organizational at that point. Yeah. I could have though. There was nothing stopping me. It was just I was kind of mirroring what was around me. Yeah. And a lot of our message is like, you know, don't just be a a, a copy of what you happen to be next to. Yeah. Like there, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And, and what got you here isn't going to be necessarily what gets you there. That's the other thing. Don't do rookie stuff. Right. Don't yeah, no, rookie, no rookie stuff behaviors. is the ATM. Yeah. I sold a policy. I made money. I'm going to go spend it. It's in my bank account now. Right. And the company's always at a zero balance. Right. And you do that because like that you're trying you to ha- survive because you have to. <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Yeah. All right. So what are some other really practical things? Again, not the most exciting, but really when you put them in place, you go, oh, you know what? Really grateful that I took this sort of mature preventative measure that I did yep. when I think about structuring my business as a business. Yep. And when we think about the stages, as you I mean, you've talked about this a lot, there's, there's rookie, there's things you need to do at rookie. Um, there's things you need to do at stable. This is a maturing to comfortable ish okay. is when people start realizing like, Oh, my bills are paid. Like, Oh, there's some margin. I want to start thinking this way. Right. That you need to have things like an operating agreement for your company. Define that. Uh, a, a document that lays out how things are handled in your business. Okay. In advance. Uh, you may have a partner. You definitely need to have one then. You need to have potentially a key person policy. Legacy is not yet to a place to where if I cease to exist tomorrow, disappear, get hit by a bus, that they would thrive immediately. Yeah. But what if they got a $2 million death benefit paid in to go hire somebody to help run the business? Yeah. This thing, it would We'd continue. We'd still be, be screwed. <laughs> That's right. We need you, buddy. A $50 million policy. There you go. There you uh, go. A succession um, plan. Yeah. Who is that? That's a big one. That's hard for advisors. So I got to know another advisor. What if it's an operator? What if there's somebody in your business that could run and maintain it and find another advisor if something happened to you? There's some version of a succession plan you yeah. could do quickly. Well, and we had this happen with one of our members right. who passed. Um, and thankfully, they actually ended up finding the paperwork where it was like, I want this person to take over. And so they were able to transfer his book appropriately. Yeah, that was but for a while, they didn't know. Was that wasn't that wasn't clear. Yep. Um, tell me, what, what are some things that w- you will prevent from happening if you do, I kind of want to scare some people. Like, what yeah. if you, if you, if you, for instance, what's the operating agreement? What's a what's a uh, a bullet you would dodge if you don't have? This you would be, um, you know, the idea of the only ship that doesn't. What's the, the ship that always sinks is a partnership. Yeah, the only okay. ship. Yeah, the ship that sinks is a partnership. Yeah, it's tough. I've seen it done well. It takes, I think, unique people because life is always changing. What worked yeah. for five years, someone's yeah, like, hey, I was working hard for a while, and now I kind of want to check out. So. Yeah. A dynamic operating agreement could build in mechanisms that if one partner was like, hey, I'm making enough, I'm good. And you're like, yeah. no, you own half the company. I can't do, be doing the, all the prospecting and all <laughs> right. the growth. Of my, okay, well, if a partner in the, in the document decides to leave, their share of the business will be reduced by proportionate to right. the production. Right, or, like, or you know, like, oh, I want those, I want those profits in forever. Uh, no, actually, you get six months and then you're out. Versus, right. You know what I'm saying? I yep. mean, you get, you know, and, you, and what's funny is you see these things in like professional sports. Okay. Like um, uh, Oklahoma, no, Oklahoma, um, Nebraska's coach just got fired. Oh, yeah. Okay. And he had a $15 million buyout. If they would have waited till October 1st, which is like three weeks from now, it would have been $7.5 <laughs> Ouch. So homeboy made 7.5 by getting He was fired. like, hey, would you get that form back to me? Yeah, let's. Uh, I, I can bring that to your house if you want to sign <laughs> yeah. the form. Uh, but the point is, it, it, that's not abnormal. Mm-hmm. People are like, yeah, they have contracts. Like, that's right. Then have a contract. That's like, right. say, no, but we're buds, and we've been in this mm-hmm. for so long. We're doing this. Yep. Get it in writing. That's right. And a real practical example, this is recently, as Legacy has grown and we have other advisors come on, and we've built a brand, we've built prospects, I give 
you know, share prospects with other advisors on the team. Sure. A new advisor coming here, you know, anything that the firm generates for you as far as prospects, my goal someday is not to try to take a book away from an advisor. If one of my advisors came to me and said, Sten, I want to move to Florida and I think I'm going to do my own thing. Part of this is my experience of leaving a firm at 24 and being sued and threatened yeah. and just being like, what's going on? Like, is that like, yeah, keep your business, keep your livelihood for your family. But we agreed up front that you would pay 50% of the trailing 12 revenue to buy that because the firm built it for you. And it's fair and it, it's clear. So yeah. they always know if, if I want to make that decision, it's not, I got to be sneaky and uh, leave a letter and then leave and then call my clients. It's like, no, it's totally, call your clients. It's fine. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you transition. Right. But it's also, we're going to set up a win-win early on. Yeah. I think and that's nice to talk about it now when things are great. Because there's no way anybody's agreeing to that yeah. when stuff starts to go down. Well, and here's the other thing. Make your worst case scenario not that bad. Like, yeah. these don't have to be like, and then you're dead to us. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And then we get your cell phone yes. and your, you know, firstborn child, whatever. Right. Like, you know, like, because I have, you know, I won't get into names, but I, <clears throat> I know people that things did not end well for them. And it was like, get out of here, get out of your office and your non-compete is in place right now. And we will hound you and we have lawyers and did it. Boom. It's like, is that how you want to be known in the industry? And yeah. is that really the relationship you want to have just because the person didn't want to work there anymore? That's like, right. and some people are like, yeah. I mean, I, I will say this. Yeah, they commit to that. I'm path. not an advisor, but I will say this. Having been an advisor many years ago, there is something that has not changed, which is that there is this weird undercurrent of like, we'll get you in the industry. I think if people leave, mm. it's like, I leave, but man, they'll just. Yep. you got to lay low for a year. They just they'll chop your head off if you look if you poke your head up, and that you can avoid that. So, as a business owner, be thoughtful, try to be generous, but be mm-hmm. fair to yourself, and have the conversation while everybody's getting along. That's right, right. That's really wise. Yep. What are some other things? Um, succession plans, um, key person policies. Just real quick on a really practical level. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just what you teach and advisors teach all day long. Is yeah, we tell all take, our business owner clients to have that. Yeah, on take care people. of your people. Yeah. Right. I mean, really, what if the business stops, but all of a sudden every team member, you know, that had been with me for four or five, six, seven years, helped me build a lifestyle, was able to have, you know, $200,000 to go find another job and start over, even if the business didn't continue. The hope is somebody would step in the business, would continue, they'd still love their job. But without something like that in place, it's people are scrambling just to try to keep clients happy, just to keep enough revenue to come in, just to. Well, let me throw you a curveball. We didn't prep this, so we can edit if it's, you know, whatever. <laughs> but, but here's the thing. Um, let's just say you have an admin mm-hmm. and, you know, like they're, they're full-time admin. Yep. You don't have any other. Like, would you say, you know, is it fair to maybe have a policy that took care of them to some degree? I mean, what, is there anything you could do for them? So it's like, because they're out. If you're out, they're out. Is there yeah, anything you could do? I think that's where, depending on the relationship, yeah. um, if I had uh, well, somebody Well, let's think best enough. case scenario. Like, them with you for, we have some advisors we know that like their admins are like, in, in they're amazing, their life, right? Yeah. That you go, I know, I want to make sure that so-and-so is taken care of yeah. should something happen to me. I mean, is, and I'm not saying you give them $10 million bucks, but yeah. like, is there something there? You're like, yeah, like, because also who's paying for the policy? Yeah, I mean, the business, obviously yeah. you're not deducting the premium. So it could even be your personal policy you have for your family. And you say, I'm going to have a $2 million term policy, but I'm going to designate 10% of the death benefit to my company, which goes to this person yeah. if something happens. Again, those are just conversations you can have internally with yourself mm-hmm. or your spouse and go, yeah. you know what? Geez, Amanda's been with us for 10 years. Like, yeah. I would hate to just sort of leave. Like, because imagine this, folks. Like, mm-hmm. there might come a day, because this happened to one of our advisors, like, yeah. that they just didn't come in the office on Monday. What happens to the staff? Yeah. It's really sad and scary to think about, but yeah. that's the business you're in, yeah. right? And that's their unknown is that a lot of this hangs on this 
specific person. And yes, we all think we're invincible. But what if your staff did know, hey, just so you know, this is obviously a small chance. I'm not going anywhere. But if something did happen to me, I want you to know that I'm thinking about you and, I, and I'll provide for you to find something else. Whoa. Thank yeah. you. Like, what does that communicate to them? Yeah. That you're important and I care about you. And, yeah. Um, so all these little things. And there's so many different nuances. You can customize this as many ways as you want. But that is a business owner thought process and conversation as opposed to like, I don't know, I'm good. I'm just building my bank account yeah. and buying toys. And this this is my ATM. And when I try to work harder, it kicks out more money. When I yeah. want to take it easy, it doesn't. Eventually, what Legacy is working towards is a more uh, fluid profit sharing model. As you hit different benchmarks in your role over a certain period of time, that we have a pool of profit to do uh, a company trip, that we have yeah. a pool of profit for people to get bonused. We've, I've bonused people around Christmas and done that still, which is fine. But my progression is moving me towards something that is more uh, formal. Yeah. Well, and I, I think you're being a little modest. Like, I, you know, we had a Christmas event last year and I was like doing the math and I was like, okay, <laughs> welcome to five figures. Like, <laughs> nice. it was, yeah. you know, and it was myself and spouses and it was, you know, a very nice hotel and, you know, amazing dinner. You know, yeah. I was like, I, I, I knew we were going to eat there. I did not eat for two days before because I really <laughs> wanted to maximize and you know i mean in all seriousness like those are the kind of things you can do Mm -hmm. and you can feel really good about and it's not like it's coming out of your pocket it's like no the company paid for this right right. and again if you talk about how expensive it is to hire someone new Mm -hmm. or to get the best talent Mm -hmm. or just to have a healthy culture of people working hard those things matter that's right right yep all right what else I want, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about hiring, uh, and this could this will pr- probably be an episode in the future all by itself. Or like seven, yeah. Because it's, it's one of the biggest objections we get that as soon as I realized I was looking at elite advisors, yeah. and, and I'll, I was in, let's call it, say I was in the average camp at this point. I was doing what the industry was telling me. I was just trying to do it harder to a higher intensity and hope it was going to work out. Uh-huh. I would look in front of me in the industry on the path, and I'd see people, wow, they have three staff. Wait, they have a pair planner. Like, what they... And that freaked me out because it was like, I don't know, I'm barely making enough money to survive myself. And then a really key thing, I realized when I hire somebody, I don't have to pay their whole salary up front. We have some lines that we use a lot, sort of like with our community and with our member, you know, folks. But that is one that I'm like, and I remember, and listen, because I'll, I'll have these coaching calls, right, uh-huh. with advisors, and I'll say, get off your and hire this, hire somebody. Okay. And I said, and remember what Sten says. And they're like, you don't have to pay him the whole salary <laughs> at once. Like it's become this thing. Yeah. But it, it is such a great reminder. Like, yeah. man, I can't afford $60,000 or $50,000. Like it's not a NFL contract. That's right. It's not a signing bonus. That's right. You know, like Bob doesn't get 50K up front. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's right. You know, he's going to get four grand. Yeah. Right. And so I think the basic truths we can agree to is that you need people on your team. If you want elite practice, if you want to follow the model we're setting, non-negotiable, and in, in, in the the kind of practices we want to be in community with, you have to have good people. Period. Okay, so we're not arguing that. We all agree that you don't have to pay them all on one day. So hire somebody. So if it's just you or you have a halftime admin, the question is: This is where you have to challenge yourself, and you know the confidence has to come a little bit. Is if you gave away half the stuff you do, which if you're a solo advisor or even solo with halftime person, like. You could probably give away, you know, 60 to 70 is what I always shot to give away when I hired a new person. If you cannot generate $5,000 a month with by giving away 60% giving away of what 60% you do, of what you're current doing, yeah. that's the problem we should talk about. The hire is not the issue. It's how come you're not being more effective with your time? 
part of our advisors are saying, well, I'm adding planning to make that up because I'm not naturally a good prospector for investments. Which is like a plan. That's one plan a one month. One plan a month. <laughs> we'll, we'll hire you somebody that makes your life so much easier. And by easier. the way, you just freed up, you know, I don't know, I mean, 6% of your time in a week, it's 40. I mean, that's 24 hours a week. If you can't get uh, one plan a month with 80 hours of, of effort, let's talk, please, let's talk about that. Please call us. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> we can help, you know. So, so the hiring thing, and obviously there's how do you hire well, what's the onboarding? Like that's something we help our community with and, and uh, our upcoming mastermind when we launch it is going to be heavy in that because yeah. you have to have a team to build a great thriving planning practice. And I was having a meeting with Jamie the other day and I said, okay, let's just assume right now that Sten generates 80% of the revenue for legacy. Mm. The future state, what we're shooting for is that Sten, it's, it's flipped. That Sten yeah. is 20 and the firm is yeah. 80. Yep. Okay, well, how do we move to that? Well, it means we hire people, but it also means we hire better people. Yeah. It means we hire head of departments. And all of a sudden, you're in a conversation where, for me, I was hiring a certain level of person. I had to get comfortable with a sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year person. And all of a sudden, I realized, like, wait, that kind of person is like $100,000 or $120,000. And so I'm all of a sudden having this realization that, like, wow, big companies hire really good talent. And really good talent is not cheap. Yeah. So what does that look like? And so there's always these questions to it, but the foundation is you need other people yeah. to have a business in this industry. You don't have to pay them all on the first day. So the conversation should be, okay, what am I doing with my time and where am I going to go find this person? Right. Should I find this person? Yeah, yeah. Some really practical things. When that person comes on, you need to be able to have KPIs, measure their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it can't be your feeling. I, I spent years like... Hey, they came in later. Uh, I don't know if we're getting stuff done, and and that. I, just I think it's frank, to be honest, and I think it's easy to fall back into that all the time. Yeah, I mean, it just is. I mean, I it's like I'm having a bad week, and what do you know? I feel like my assistant's not this. It's like <laughs> that's right. What a quinky dink, right? Like, yeah, exactly. or it's like no, like it's our job as leaders to make sure that we know, you know, the stats. How are we going to measure them, right? Yep. Um, and and it's, it's results driven. There, people need to be in the office and things, but there's something about if somebody's hitting the results you need in their role, and results are not just coming into the office and moving stuff around. We've had seasons of that to where people are just like waiting on Sten to tell them what to do, and I'm like, no, create like yeah. new stuff, like add value. Don't just. I didn't hire a bunch of people to just keep it where it is. Right. It's like I, I hired people to level this thing up, and you have to have KPIs. You have to have figures, even for our processing, our relationship managers. I know how many service items we had that month. Yeah. And what's cool is is if they say, man, I'm just overwhelmed. This is too much. I look, and this happened a few months ago, and I was like, actually, you had less this month than you did last month. But if you're having a hard day, let's talk through that. But like the numbers are key. Right. To, and then you have more of coaching conversations versus like critical conversations. Well, and, and yeah, coaching conversations. Coaching because, and, and I actually just, I don't know, that's weird you just said that. Because I had this conversation two days ago with someone, and, and it was the difference between coaching and criticism. Is coaching is preventative. Mm. right and then coaching reminds you of something you told them beforehand criticism is just stop 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 which is you know like i'm a good coach right because i teach them what to do i'm talking about baseball players and Mm -hmm. advisors but Mm -hmm. for my kids like but here's the thing if they mess up and i didn't coach them on that thing whose fault is that it's mine yeah right i didn't so you can't hold your employees accountable to something that you didn't equip them to do that's good right so make sure you're coaching you're not just criticizing yep and, and, and you've done a good job of this. I'll say one more thing is that keep track of things. Mm-hmm. Like I've done this where I actually go, oh, mistake, mistake, mistake. Mm-hmm. And I'll go, okay, hey, listen, I just noticed these five things. Mm-hmm. Let's talk through them. Let's okay. figure out how to fix them. What do I need to do better? Yep. Then it's not like, oh, I feel like you're kind of off. Like, yeah. okay. Versus like, hey, here's five things that like 
actually we messed up on. Yeah. Like, what can we do about that? Yeah. That's not a personal attack. That's a teachable moment. That's good. I like that. A couple other things here. The um, Someday you may get to a point where you have other advisors on your team and you're supplying resources to them. This is where legacy is and an override comes to the firm. Right. Whole different nuance of do those advisors see what you're providing as valuable? Is What's their grid rate? Is it competitive? Do they get an office space, but at what production level? And that, so that's a, that's a lot to dive into, but those are the kind of things that if you're not sensing it now, will come someday. Yeah. And my hope is, is that you're anticipating it as opposed to, oh no, it's upon me now. Yeah. What am I going to do? Well, I'll, we can end with this, which is that we were talking about this earlier is if you're thinking about who are the next two people I need to hire, what you're doing is you're thinking, who do I want to become? What's the, what's the kind of business I want to grow into? If you're thinking yep. about that, you know, it might be five years off, might be two years off. But when you're thinking about that, then you'll grow into that business versus yeah. just sort of being reactive. That's right. And right. it's not, my last comment, it's not always more. You're not going to add two people a year forever. No. Um, some organizations do that, but you can have an amazing business with a lead advisor, a junior advisor, one or two relationship managers, a practice manager, which is a really interesting role as firms get larger, uh, and maybe a supporting another senior advisor. Like you, five or six people could be a three, four million dollar plus revenue firm. Yeah. And then you just need to start preparing yourself to say, hey, do we have a relationship manager in the wings that if ours just decide to leave? Right. Then you're you're less scared about people leaving because life does happen because you're, you're you're prepared. You have some prospects in mind. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the time to listen to today's episode. Uh, let me challenge you to do something right now. Decide which of the things we talked about that you're going to work on next. What are you going to start moving on uh, to, to go from an individual to a business? Don't just say you're going to do it. Talk to Siri or Google or whatever AI friend you've got that can schedule an event for you right now on your phone and make an appointment to take action on whatever that next step is. And if you're already functioning really as a business, then make sure that you also choose something that you need to improve on. Schedule a time to work on it. And we have seen an uptick in reviews and ratings on iTunes, so thank you for doing that. If this episode has been helpful, then here's something really practical you can do. Find the share button in whatever your app you're listening to or on your computer. Find the share button and share it with someone. Share it with two people. Share it with three people. They will thank you, and we thank you as well. So on behalf of Sam Morgan and myself, thank you for listening. We appreciate you.